Welcome to the Tech Sales Show, where we are dedicated to making you a better tech seller, sharing tried and true sales strategies and answering your questions weekly. Hey, hey, Bobby. What's up, Brian? Well, we're doing part two of the 48 Laws of Power. It's kind of a little bit of a book review. This is series 17. Last week we did part one. We did a little bit of setup, but it's probably worth doing another little bit of setup here too because we've had, which is good, we've had some folks reach out to us to say, hey, do you really recommend this book because it's a little callous? And I agree with them that it is a, uh, there are parts of this book that are um, I wouldn't recommend. Uh, there are even parts of laws that we'll discuss that I wouldn't recommend uh, if they're taken in in Robert Greene's context. And Robert Greene is the author here. He's a West Coast guy. Um, he famously brags that he had 80 jobs over his career, from construction to a Hollywood writer, um, can speak five languages. And again, um, it's a big book, and he's got um, another book out that I'm that, that I'm just getting started with. Um, but it's, it's interesting to, because it's like the art of war, like Sun Tzu's art of war to where, you know, I don't know that I'm going to find myself in a battle right? not, certainly not at 41 years old, find myself in battle these days, but I do find it interesting to understand the psychology behind some people's thoughts. And that's, what's most interesting to me about this book. Yeah. And I think, uh, I learned a little bit of going through the last episode with you and in, in my own perusing of the book and, and understanding some of the laws. I think it's the con- context in which we share it as it relates to cells and some of the things that this is the natural way we think and act. And then it's going to help you in your sales world as well. Yeah, I agree. So we covered, uh, five laws in the first part of this series, uh, last week, and today we're going to cover five more. Uh, these are five of my favorites, and we're going to talk about them in the context of the book, and then we'll kind of talk about it, how it relates to tech sales, and uh, to your point, Bobby, all of it really relates to our job and this career, and it's um, it's a competitive career, and it's a fun career, but it, it, it's got its ups and its downs, um, uh, and, and I think these some of these principles we can learn from uh, to be better professionals. Let's do it. All right, so law number 36 is where we're going to start today. Uh, this is to disdain things you cannot have. Ignoring them is the best revenge. And I, so, so again, we're going, to kind of, we're going to kind of carve off two parts of this. Part of this is like totally callous and war-centric, and other parts of this are, um, we're going to talk about how it applies to tech sales. I think the key to this is to not... To, you you choose to let things bother you, uh, right? Like we we choose how spun up we allow someone to get us. We choose um, what impediments we see, what, what impediments we think there may be in our career. We choose the timeline in which we think that we should be promoted up to this or that job. These are all manufactured things. And um, by having a better, I guess, perspective or attitude about um the trajectory of your career or, um, you know, the, the, the path you want to go next, the things you're working on professionally, uh, you choose how you react and respond to those things, not the other way around. Likewise, I think we do the same thing with some deals, um, or the competition. You know, we, we are trying to pitch a solution or product to a customer. We are just 
dead bent on it's the best thing for them and we want them to buy it and we keep wanting them to buy it and there's probably good reason why that they're not buying it so you could reflect on it in the same in a similar way and say okay maybe they don't want to buy it let's take a step back and and ignore them for a while and see what happens you you might be surprised yeah the second part of this is that the more you want something the more you chase after it the more it eludes you i think this is so um deal specific and really career specific too um, the smell of desperation really stinks. I know we've all heard that saying. Um, the and I, I think on conversely, the folks that are the most successful are the ones that are not afraid to walk away from things and that have a lot going and have a lot of opportunities rolling. And I, th- I think it's that confidence that um, your prospective customer or your customer that you're selling more goods into can can see and smell in you is that you're not someone that's effectively begging them for their business because. How could you possibly be objective in, in that kind of scenario if you're begging them for their business, right? No doubt. No doubt. And, I, and we've all, I've seen this many times with uh, teammates or people around me who wanted that job or wanted my time or wanted something that they, they almost become annoying uh, with the level of effort they put forth to try and to try and get that something that they want that they can't have. So it continues to elude them more. Uh, I'm sure you all have a personal relationship or something like that where it's just enough is enough and you really wish that person would just take a step back. They would probably get more time. Yeah, on the career front too, because that's a, that's a good point. On the career front, front front too, like if you think about, you know, we always talk about it's not a ladder. And if you're viewing your career progression as a ladder, you're, you might be you might be looking at it the wrong way. It it's, it's a really long bookcase that sometimes you're going to make upward steps very quickly in that bookcase. And sometimes you're going to step sideways before you step up. Um, by focusing more on the things that are interesting to you and the things that are good, that you're good at, and, and then trying to do more of the things that you're good at and the things that you find interesting and less of the things you don't like doing, if you can approach your career that way and not focus on what that specific job is, you, you won't reek of that desperation because you're being, again, you're being more objective when you're talking to a hiring manager and they think all you want is that next level up job, but you don't talk about that job at all. Instead, you talk about the things that you're good at. And, and of course, maybe some of these things line up to what that job is. You become a far more interesting candidate to that hiring manager. Or how about all you talk about is, you know, I've been promised this job and passed over a half dozen times. I mean, that's just going to stink, as you said. Uh, and I've seen that happen to many times, many people, and they've been passed over many more times because of it. Um, I liked your point about doing the right things. And you say bookcase. I kind of thought I've always kind of thought more rock climbing. And that one little thing might be out of my reach. But if I go sideways four steps and up four steps easy and then to my left, I might get right to that 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 piece that's out of reach. And I think that's the way people should be thinking about their career as well. Forget just the right next step. Go around and figure out another way. Yeah. Yep. Great, great visual there. I think, um, I think about this law too. And I think about idolatry a bit too. And I think about retirement and, and I think that there was a point in my life to where I was heavily, heavily focused on retirement. And I put that in quotes because it means different things to different people. Um, you know, in one sense, retirement, you know, in the traditional sense, retirement is I, I I wake up in the morning and I put my slippers on and I go drink a cup of coffee and get the newspaper and I'm done working. I don't know that that's necessarily the 
the, the present day retirement, although at a certain age, that certainly could be. But for me, retirement was never about that. Re- retirement was about being able to make my own decisions um, and, and, and do the things that I want to do and not have to do the jobs. I want to be able to say no to something. And I think that that kind of is the beginning phases of a retirement is being, being able to say no and to be able to do things that you actually enjoy doing. And early on in my career, what I really struggled with is that I really began to idolize retirement and the thought of retiring early became something that I was so focused on that it it got in the way of me being uh, successful at what I needed to be successful at to even achieve that in the first place too. So again, the law is disdain things you cannot have, ignoring them is the best revenge. And while I certainly don't ignore retirement, I've got a good plan and a good financial planner. Um, it's not something that I idolize over anymore as well. So the next law you have on the list is law number five. So much depends on reputation. Guard it with your life. Yeah. And so I think you could apply this to so many different aspects of your uh, career and personally, too. You know, social media, I'm on a little bit of a social media break. I have been for, for most of this year. And uh, as I as I kind of sit on the sidelines and watch people go through such drama and challenges in their life, and these are professional people that I have respect for, but I but I watch their life play out on a stage that they don't control. Um, so not only are they impacting their professional reputation, their personal reputation, um, I can't be productive, right? It it feels very unproductive to no, see it, this happening. It, it, it can't be, and I too have taken the year off, and I really haven't taken the year off. I, I like you, I, I am watching from a distance, but I really just turned off the notifications, and so the red little dot's yeah. not on my icons all the time, which has kept me from going at every moment I see something, and I go check it. So it's really kept me away from it a lot more, and I don't think to post as much as I used to post before, but um, I would say I have seen people destroy their reputations and make stupid comments. And we said it last week that most of what we see is the, the 1% good of what people are doing, but people can make mistakes. This isn't just about social media though. This is about me being able to say and having being able to said for a long, long time, I've never sold a customer something that I didn't really think was going to benefit them mm-hmm. or that they were going to gain value from. And so I've had a sales reputation of not being that guy who would just pitch anything to pitch anything. And that's a great sales reputation that I can hang my hat on. Um, no customer would be able to say that to me or be able to refute that if I called them, I'm not going to make my best effort to sell them something they're going to get value out of. Yeah. I, I like that dimension of it as well. So there's kind of the, your, your, your personality externalized via social media there is um, how you how you partner with your your customers. There's also about how you partner with your your teammates internally too, because that's such a big part of the day job is the folks that you work with. And I've seen so many people launch an offensive against people they work with, and or, or ridicule, ridicule somebody that they work with, and that both puts them on the defensive and it draws more attention to you. And, and I don't know that that's always going to enhance your reputation because it's it's it, you're going to create a bit of exposure to yourself as well. What I found to be, and this contradicts the law a little bit. So if you read the book, you'll 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 know that this contradicts Robert Greene's interpretation of Law Five. But as we said up front, I don't we don't know that all I don't believe that all this book is 
is all good. I think some of it's good. But I guess my point of it is we, we, we work with these people. Ideally, we respect these people. And these are folks that we want to continue working with. And if that's if you, if you believe those things to be true, whenever there is a something not going right or you don't feel like the team's partnering with you right or if you feel like there's a missed business opportunity and, and that it's time to like address this scenario head on, the, the best way I've found to approach this is to do it in a way that's seeking to understand the backstory rather than launching a full-on assault. And while I don't have time to necessarily, you know, get to the, you know, 2,000 feet depth in each subject matter, I do have, I, I do and should be expected to fully understand the scenario before I launch that offensive. And usually what I find by understanding that scenario in more depth there's things that I didn't understand that are causing that to occur, and maybe the the, the symptoms I'm not I'm not properly diagnosing the illness because I don't fully understand the symptoms. If that makes sense, for sure. And I, I probably did a horrible job of this in my first phases of my career, and probably had to dig myself out of some holes that I built with my reputation uh, before I started having a little bit of emotional IQ or EQ and taking taking a broader picture of what others might have going on in their lives and. Um, it's hard to change some people's thoughts about your reputation. So take this law for some truth and more importantly, don't do things that are going to stick with you long-term that are negative. That's my, that's my guidance. Yeah. And I, I would, I would pile on top of that. We've got a lot of folks that are uh, early in their careers and, and social media has been kind of been a part of their life from the beginning. Right. So they've got a lot of, there's a lot of data out there on them. And as a hiring manager, uh, for many years that know that I'm, I'm looking at those things. I'm not, I would never be that kind of person that would want to log in. I, like I, I, I don't even understand that world where there are some employers, I guess, that are looking to log into their social media accounts. It feels like an absolute, if, if, if any company is looking to log into your social media profile, you should like quit interviewing there immediately. But I will tell you that your employers are 100% looking at Twitter and Facebook and you know, whatever else, uh, to, to learn more about who you are as a person, make sure you understand what that public persona is about because it matters. It 100% matters. No doubt. No doubt. Law number four is next on our list. Always say less than necessary. Something I've not been good at either, uh, early on in my career. Yeah. So, uh, one of the quotes in here that I really liked is power cannot accrue to those who squander their treasure of words. Um, I'm introverted, and so I'm, I'm on the opposite spectrum of this, and, and sometimes to a fault, too, because um, you know, there are times that, that your voice needs to be heard, and there are times that you need to be very uh, a good participant in the conversation. But you know, there are also those people that can't get out of their own way with words and, and talking too much and not seeking to understand, but instead looking to control the conversation. And the reality is not much is learned from that. There are a lot of, if you work at a place that you like and respect, there's a lot of good ideas. And by, um, you know, by leading the conversation less and listening more open, uh, you know, asking open-ended questions, there's, there could be a lot to glean from the conversation, a lot to glean from those people that you work with, whether they're direct reports of yours or folks that are on your extended team or, or uh, people that you work for. Don't feel like you need to necessarily have the answer to everything because once those words are out, you can't take them back. Keep them under control. 
there's also a great analogy I love. I, I, for whatever reason, it's been like rattling through my head a lot lately. It's that you can't unmuddy water by spin, by spinning it, which I find you know clearly the the analogy is by by letting letting the dust settle or letting letting the water settle. You can you can kind of start to see a bit of clarity in in, in the fish tank or whatever it is. Um, and I think this really closely aligns to this law. Yeah, on this one, I would say I, I have learned and use the long pause or just this increased amount of silence in conversations, right, that that allow other people to probably get themselves in more trouble mm-hmm. with their words than me. Um, but it 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 is something that I've been able to learn how to do, and that's like take in a bunch of information that other people are saying and really try and piece it all together so that I can understand my best response. And that doesn't have to be in that same conversation. That can be days or weeks later, um, which gives me a lot of power, no pun to the to the book, but gives me a lot of the control of the situation and how I respond. Um, I used to have to win every conversation. And let's say I probably still want to win a lot, but I don't have to win every conversation. There's a great analogy in the book. Um about uh, Kissinger and basically it was um, Kissinger would always say Winston Lord would always say to him um, I'm sorry Kissinger would always say to Winston Lord is this the best you could do and it was it was a book that that he was writing and he'd say ah no no let me let me go back I mean, there's a few things I need to work on and he'd say okay that's fine uh, and then he'd come back to him and he'd say is this the best work that you can do say so, no, no, I don't think so. Can I have another couple of weeks and let me bring it back to you? And then he brought it back a third time and said, you know, is this the best you can do before Kissinger was going to read it? He says, damn it. Yes, it's the best I can do. And then he says, fine, I guess I'll go read it this time. Um, and we also had this, uh, this sales leader uh, that I really respect. He's, he's now retired, Eddie Marshall, who when he would interview people, it's the best opening to any interview ever after you kind of get through the pleasantries of introducing who you are and, and what it is, you know, why it is you're here is he'd say, tell me a sell story, you know, tell me a sell story, five words. And, um, it's, it's a very powerful five word question that really focuses the attention on, uh, on the person that's, uh, that is in front of them. Boy, that conversation go a bunch of different ways quick. Uh, for sure. Sure can. And I think that was his a hundred percent his purpose. No doubt. He wanted to see. He, you, you can tell a lot about how strategic a person is by the way they describe their deals. That's for, so, and that, I know for a fact that was his uh, his desire. Okay, law number three. And if you're if you're keeping up with this, this is the the fourth one we're discussing today. We're going to discuss five today. Uh, so this is the fourth one, but we're going to talk about law three, and that is to conceal your intentions. Um, again. This is one of those that, you know, used in the wrong context is not a great thing. But I, I do think by talking endlessly about your desires and your goals, um, you know, can be um, it can be hurtful for you in a career standpoint. We talked about it in, in one of the earlier laws. But if all you talk about is that sales manager job or sales director job that you want, and that's and that's all it is you're talking about, um, that you're. It's, it's going to elude you. Um, and, and the fact is, there could be a better job that comes up. And if you pigeonhole yourself into that spot, what if something better opens up? But you've, and then you, you pivot and jump to that one. Bobby, I can't, I, can't, I can't remember how many times it came up at Microsoft to where like, 
you you knew the guy or gal that that wanted that manager role, right? And they would yeah. like heads down focused on that one interview and be like, this is the job for me. I'd be so good at this. I know this team. I know this product. I know whatever about this. This this makes me the perfect fit for it. They wouldn't get the job almost always, right? Because they right. were desperate. And then the next time a manager job came up, it was like same old story. Oh my gosh, this job is even better for me. But it, it was the, it was such desperation on their part. How how much better would it have been if they if they laid out? You know what I what I really love doing is developing people on uh, you know our our products that are kind of more um, earlier stage that aren't fully developed. And they talked to, talked about like what they wanted to do from a career standpoint on a more conceptual basis. Yeah, I think we both had good mentors that probably taught us some of that too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I definitely didn't learn that in my first um, promotion interview loop for sure. I think some of of what that company did was drive you towards promotion, yeah, um, and through stack ranking and a lot of other things. But I I would say when I left there and I went to Sparkham, I never even thought about changing jobs. So it was a completely different kind of conversation to myself and to the people around me about what I wanted to do or where I wanted to go. Um, when I think about this law and, and where I have concealed my intentions, I think it's been more around deals in a sales capacity, right? I, I, I don't go right in and say, Hey customer, I want to sweep the floor in your data center with all my gear. And you know, you don't start there. Now I've seen a lot of people, uh, show up and throw up everything that they got and, and try to do those sorts of things, which is seen through almost immediately in every circumstance. But, you know, if you take an approach where you're working with a customer and you, you do have well intentions for you and your business and your customer, but you start working with them, you say less, you listen more, you conceal the intentions of really what the, what the three-year plan is, but you work on something small. You take little bites out of that elephant one at a time and you don't try to share your end game uh, to its fullest, it, it will surprise you how far that will take you in some of your sales campaigns for sure. Yeah, that's a great that's a great dimension, great angle to look at it. I, I had a really good mentor, still do have this this mentor today. We try to catch up on a monthly basis and and like early on, like kind of going back to the career perspective early on I'd be like oh this and even though I wasn't externalizing this um, when I would talk to him I would tell him about how you know oh I don't think I'll ever do that kind of job again and he'd kind of laugh and say you know don't be so don't be so certain about things like don't th- don't speak about things in such absolute terms um, he had he when he retired he was a president of a company so he had obviously a lot of experience of, of success and failure and and different jobs and stuff that 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 uh, earned him the kind of, um, skills he needed to be successful in that role. And, um, and it was hard for me to understand that. And now when we talk about things, it's on such different terms, it's on such a different maturity level compared to the the one-on-ones we'd have 15 years ago. Yeah, that might be it too. Maybe pretend like you don't know your intentions as well. Right. Um, play, play a little bit slow to that because you may miss opportunities. From it, whether it be career, where you say, all I want to be is a sales manager, all I want to be is a sales manager, but this other person's got this other big job that it knocks down all your goals and accomplishments and desires, but you're not, you're, you're not even getting introduced to that because you're not saying that you're open to those opportunities. That's the career path. And then same thing with, with work and deals that you're selling. You know, This customer might have a business problem that they need help with that you can solve. 
but your intentions are so singularly focused on replacing their their data center equipment, you're missing this millions and millions of dollars worth of services and other consulting that your company can do because you just are so singularly focused with your intentions in mind and you're blabbing it over and over and over again. Yeah. Okay, the last one we'll talk about today is is mastering the art of timing. Um, I, I love this one. I think this is the most important one that we'll talk about today. And there was a guy we worked with, uh, Bobby, we won't say his name to protect the innocent, but he was known for riding the wave at Microsoft. No doubt. And um, what he would do is... It was it was a it was a stroke of genius and brilliance on his end. But what he would do is he would he could he could see the future, you know, like he knew that it was time to get off of selling X product and move on to selling Y product. And he'd he'd ride the wave of popularity of products within Microsoft, and it led to untold number you know numbers of stock shares given to him at Microsoft, not to mention commissions and everything else, because he was he was very smart and he was patient about timing what his career looked like. Microsoft's obviously a unique company that you can do something like that, right? They've got such a broad product offering that most companies don't have that he was able to kind of ride that wave within a company. But think about this in terms of cloud. You know, if a decade ago, let's say even 15 years ago, for those that are kind of new to the workforce, you you could hear the cloud coming from miles away, right? Like it mm-hmm. was it, it was talked about, this is going to be the biggest business ever. And like smash cut to 2019. And it is all of that. Like it is no matter if you're doing hardware, software, whatever you're doing, it is cloud related in some capacity. And there are people that really capitalized on that by being early to this business. And if you think about it today with artificial intelligence and machine learning, if, if you are one that wants to get a little risky and try to get ahead of a trend, Master the art of timing, understand what Gartner and Forrester are saying, what the market caps of these businesses could be, and be one of those earlier sellers. I'll tell you what, if you if you had three years of selling artificial intelligence or some sort of machine learning tool under your belt today in 2019, you'd be one of the most sought after techno, uh, tech sellers in the market today. And the no, same no. could be true in two years from now, right? So if you, it's not too late. This is still a very early business in terms of market capitalization. Yeah, and one that I used to hear quite a bit, and uh, I'm not predicting the future, but the one I used to hear quite a bit and that has started coming up quite frequently against nanotechnology. Mm-hmm. And it, it's surprising that that's that I do think we're on the precipice of that being a really big deal in the world of just you know, the whole industrial revolution part three here, I think nanotech could be a big one uh, for us. I, as I think of mastering the art of timing, I'll go to, to the deal scenario again here and say, you know, I hear and mentor people still a lot. And I hear this, well, they just bought all this gear and they're never, they, you know, they don't need my stuff for three more years. Well, did you put an opportunity in your CRM for 2.5 years from now so you can go chase that deal? Because that's still a deal. You might have lost this one, but you need to make yourself ready for the la- the next one. And what if the people before you would have had that deal in the system and you would have been aware of it before it came up? It truly is helping your team, helping your company, doing the right thing and mastering the art of timing as it relates to deals. I, I love chasing prospects that don't buy my stuff today because I know that I have a real opportunity to go transition them to my kit, my gear, my solution, my product, my services. I just also know it's going to take some time, and I like to 
to build that timeline for myself way out in the future that you're going to need this then. Let me just show you some of the things we're doing. Let me get you to an executive briefing. By building these work streams for my accounts, I've always been able to have a large funnel and a large pipeline and never depended on one customer. Yeah, and, and how many times have you wanted it, it, it I'm not saying that happens all the time, but there are projects that fail too. And by maintaining that relationship and 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 staying close to them, to your point, what happens if that project doesn't go the way they expected it to go? Um, if if you're the one that burned that bridge or just totally dismissed that prospect, uh, it could be a, a pretty big missed opportunity for you as well. No doubt. I'd also say too, this is something that's kind of changed with me over time is there, there have been times to where I, um, I've been frustrated with an employer and you know, they all, there, there's the big saying out there too. It's on LinkedIn. You probably can see it once a week on LinkedIn. It's people don't leave the company, they leave a boss. And I think there's some truth to that. I don't think it's hundred percent true, but I think, you know, like any saying, there is some truth to that too. If you love the company you work for, if you, or if you used to love the company you work for, but you're working for someone that you don't like or appreciate, you know, wait, either wait it out. We all know that bosses and managers shifts over time, find another team to go work for. If it's a company you've really grown to love, don't, don't allow yourself to get sucked into this, that, you know, the company culture has shifted. Therefore it's time for me to move on. It could just be a bad boss that you're working for too. Yeah. And I like that. I would say don't chase a boss to another company, right? Just because yeah. th- that one person cannot make your living for you. That one, that one confidant, the person that's had your back forever at one place, they move. Maybe they move to a bad place. They're not going to tell you this is the worst decision I ever made. Come follow me. They're going to tell you, look, this is great over here. Come follow me. And you, you got to take and look at the bigger picture. Don't, don't think that's mastering the art of timing because they chose to leave. You don't know why they left. You don't know all the other underlying components at their new company. Um, don't just go chase them either. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then finally, I, I'd say on this one, um, expect challenging times. Expect ebbs and flows. The pit of despair is, uh, as it, it's called many times. There are ebbs and flows in your pipeline. There are ebbs and flows in deals and prospecting and everything else. And um, recognize is this an is this an economic trend that's occurring because your technology that or the company that you're working for is selling bad or old technology versus are we just in a little bit of a soft spell like the you know the 2008 2009 there are clearly some challenging times there too um, there are going to be ebbs and flows in the economy uh, depending on what market you're in and what technology you're selling um, but don't don't rush to make that kind of change. Um, because everyone could be experiencing that. And while it may seem obvious too, sometimes we get so focused on that job that we're doing that it's hard to take a step back and look at what's going on in the broader marketplace. And that's really what we're encouraging you to do here is take a step back, look at the broader marketplace. If you do love to be on that cutting edge, that leading edge, look at cloud, look at artificial intelligence, go read the latest Forrester review that's out there public on where where the money is going to be shifting over the next decade, uh, because getting ahead of that stuff could really uh, be impactful for your career. No doubt. The, the last thing I'll say about this one is, you know, you you may think that uh, sitting tight is the best thing for you. That's mastering the art of timing in your mind. You, you you feel real comfortable. You feel solid. You feel like you've got the account base. You feel like you've got the supporting of your managers and leaders around you. 
don't forget there is that mindset of who moved my cheese, right? You, you've mm-hmm. got to you've got to constantly be thinking about your future and the grander scope of what's going on. As Brian said, if you've been somewhere in the same roles, doing the same thing for ten years, man, you're in tech. Something's changed. Something's doing different things out there. You need to take a look. Try and get mentors. Try to get some help somewhere. Um, don't sit around forever. That's not the art of mastering timing. Love it. So with that, we're going to wrap this up. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening. The book uh, is called The 48 Laws of Power. It's written by Robert Greene. We'll include the link in our show notes. Hope you find the uh, it interesting. Let us know if there are any laws that you found particularly relevant for the tech sales industry. As always, average sucks. Average is the enemy. Thanks for listening to the Tech Sales Show. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Tech Sales Show. Subscribe to our email list at www.techsaleshow.com and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Tech Sales Show. Until next week, average is the enemy.